0: is May 1883 and the women of the tune are waiting on the pier. A long line of them sit with their backs against the wall out of the wind, knitting. A young woman stands up and arches her back, turns and looks out to see her hair whips across her face and into her eyes. She twists an auburn lock back behind her ear and Pulls her shawl tighter, tucking it into her knitting belt. Its buckle on its last notch, because she's heavily pregnant. Inna's baby has been moving a lot today. She presses her wires firmly into her padded busk before turning back. Sitting down on the cold stone step and paying attention once more to the gansey on her wires. Pulled into the shape of a diamond, the garment forms a neat ring through which she can just make out the proud lump of her belly button under her skirts. Her stomach's full and round now. She smiles as she remembers her man teasing her that morning, placing his hand on her belly to feel the bairn kicking. Your belly is as large as lago lore. And there's the wee devil himself kicking to get out. (laughs) Ina feels a nudge on her arm and returns from her daydream to the windy pier. It's her neighbour, Chatty. She nods at Ina's belly and winks. Oh, you'll no be sad if you're a man's not chosen, eh? What with it being so near the birth and all, and it being your first? Ina shrugged. She looks back along the line of knitters. Their faces animated, gossiping. Their nimble fingers are blurred as each fashions their own unique patterned gansey. Aye, eight moons had passed right enough. And when her time came, whether a man was in London or out at sea, she, she took comfort that a neighbour like Chatty would be at hand. Chatty nudges her again and points at a woman several yards away. Will you look at her from number six? Already on our last sleeve. Maybe she knows something already. It's her man counting the ballots, I I hear. Oh, Eno wondered that Chatty couldn't call her own sister-in-law by name. Oh, but Chatty wasn't finished with her observations. And her mither, oh, she must be long finished if she's knitting her man fresh bootstockings now. Ena sighs. No wonder her neighbour's by name is Chatty. She never stopped talking. This was a close-knit community. Chatty knew every man, woman and bairn from the east to the west. But Ina had only moved here to marry her handsome fisherman nine months ago. All the lasses back in Largo thought he was a good catch. And with her parents both gone, she'd left Largo last summer with only her creel and her cat. Maybe those stockings are a red herring and she's knitting our man's Gansy indoors. He's eaten so many of our pies, she can only be half up his belly by now." Chatty continued. Well, the women were certainly knitting up a stone. Each woman on the pier wanted their man or their sons to be chosen to travel up to the exhibition in London. When the big announcement had been made in the papers, all the women had sharpened their wires on their hearthstones or their doorsteps in readiness. Oh, but then there'd been such a stoushie; it was agreed that a ballot was really the fairest way to decide which four men would represent their fishing community. So all the women simply started knitting a new Gansey. So whichever men were chosen, they'd look smart when they waved them off at the station. However, Ina had noticed how the women narrowed their eyes and cast canny glances at their neighbours knitting. What were they thinking? Fancy holding the ballot just days before they leave for London. The men don't appreciate how long it takes to knit a gansy. Chatty muttered. Oh, Ina had pins and needles now in her toes. Perhaps she should admit defeat. She'd struggled to find the time to knit between... Baiting the lines, cleaning the house, keeping a man fed. She'd cast on her ten score skitch- stitches months ago, but she'd been so tired lately. And she could barely keep her eyes open, she, even when she pushed the sharp point of her wire into a finger to stay awake. She regretted having chosen the cream coloured worsted wool now. Keeping her knitting clean was difficult. No, she wouldn't give up now. What if a man was chosen? She caught a breath. The baby was kicking again. How much long would they be at that ballot box? At this rate the baby would be here before the Gansey was finished. Well, he'd just have to go to London on his Sunday best if he was chosen. A wedding Gansey she'd so lovingly knitted back in Largo. The hum of the women grew louder, like a hive of bees before a swarm, and a bead of sweat ran down Ina's face, She felt dizzy. She wanted to get home soon. It was getting late and the the cat would be waiting to be fed. The town clock struck and a door on the waterfront opened. A beam of light spilled across the harbour and the click of knitting wire stopped. The women fell silent. Even the wind seemed to hold its breath as the group of men walked briskly down the pier, led by a red-faced man who wore a brown bowler hat. Una you know, could see the brass buttons on his coat straining at their stitches. He reached into the pocket of his jacket and pulled out a leather-bound notebook. He paused for effect, taking time to find the right page. The old fishermen stood behind him. They looked at their boots so as not to catch the eyes of their wives or daughters. The man cleared his throat. <coughs> the ballot has been counted and the four representatives have been chosen. <gasps> Ina gasped as the baby turned a somersault in her belly. The stranger's still talking, but she no no longer can hear what he's saying. She fixes his eyes on his book, but oh, her her eyes are blurry now. Another stab of pain and she falls to her knees. Her half-finished knitting falls from her fingers onto the pier and her white ball of wool skips over the edge and falls into the harbour with a plop. Chatty helps Ina up and... Another one takes her arm and pulls her to her feet. My knitting, was my knitting, Ina gasps. And then another wave of pain washes over her. The man starts to speak. Willie, hold your wished man, there's a bairn coming, chatty roars. Wow well, she pins down to pick up Ina's knitting, deftly breaking the pale worsted wool that connects the, the, the stitches to the, the wool. Realising that her waters have broken, the two women bustle ina down the pier, but they have to stop and wait for the speaker to move. Chatty stabs her spare wire into the sleeve of his tweed jacket just below the leather elbow patch, and Ina sees his face wince as he steps back, and then she hears a splash, and the women roar with laughter. (laughs) The rest of the night was a blur as the baby made her way into the world. Chatty was there without, oh yes, all the way through that breech birth. And by the time Ina's husband returned home from sea, the the baby was bathed fast asleep in the wooden drawer next to the bed. The cat got up from the fire and went over to the man, weaving around his legs as he came into the cottage and then skittered across the floor, playing with another ball of wool. It rolled into the soot of the hearth and then bounced into the fire. It was Eva's last ball of wool. Stop, Kipper, she shouts. Shh! you'll wake the bairn, old man whispers. Oh, Ena, panicking now, looking right wildly round for her knitting. Perhaps she'd left it on the pier. She starts to panic. Oh, all that work, all that wool lost. Her husband bends down and looks under the bed. And there, carefully placed in a pillow strip to keep it clean, is her knitting. Oh, blessed chatty, Ina thinks. She must have picked it up. She takes it from his hands and she starts to trace the surface with her fingertips, counting the raised stitches to remind her of the next pattern sequence. So was your name chosen in the ballot? No, thankfully not. Who is going to London then? Ina's fingers paused mid-stitch for a second. He listed the four names and Ina smiled. Oh, their wives would be so happy. She knew that they'd look their best. Well, those four gansies would travel over 450 miles to be worn at the grand opening of the International Fisheries Exhibition on the 12th of May. 400 fisher folk. Men in their finest Gansies, fishwives in the gala dress would be on display to meet the finest in the land, the royal family. Oh yes, each Gansy would be fit for a queen. Her right royal majesty, Queen Victoria. Ina sighed and stopped knitting. Oh, it had been a long couple of days. She closed her eyes. There's word that there's to be a second delegation, though. Maybe in July, her husband said. Ina's eyes snapped open, her fingers tightened on the wires. Oh, so there's still a chance he could go to London. Well, she continued to knit by moonlight. And she noticed that her knitting was glinting and she picked at it nervously. Ah, silver fish scales from the pier were caught in the patterns. Any further damage? Oh. She's nearly out of wool, too, and there's no spare money now, not with the bairn. Oh, she shrugged in despair. What she needed, she thought, was to find a gold mine. <laughs> Over the next fortnight, Chatty called in to see Ina every day. The bairn would not settle long, was awake most of its night, always hungry, and Ina was as pale as her half-finished gansey. That was gathering dust on its wires because Ina had run out of wool. But there were lines to bait, her man to feed, the restless bairn. One morning Chatty brought in a cradle she no longer needed. She sat Ina down and showed her how to tie a string round her shoe and attach it to the cradle so she could rock the child to sleep by tapping with her foot whilst her hands were busy. Chatty couldn't put her finger on what was wrong. Ina simply wasn't herself since the birth. Chatty noticed the knitting under the bed, so she pulled it out and looked inside the pillowcase. Och, lassie, it's time to separate the front and the back so you can start the gussets under the arm. Now, what are you planning to put on the centre of the yoke? Ina shrugged. Now, heart in the home, that would be braw. Now, none of the chosen men had that on their chests. Ina you know, didn't pay her any heed. But Chatty was bursting with gossip from London. So on she sailed. The papers said that the, although the Queen was unable to attend, the Prince and Princess of Wales and their children had been there, and there were beef-eaters and umpteen lords and ladies all in their finery. The royal days had been decorated with Neptune's tridents. and so like fishing nets had hung from the, from the tridents with oh, like lace. There was a huge tank of fish, aye, full of fish. And you know, a New Haven fishwife had even been heard chatting to the princess, asking how her mother's leg was. Oh, And the First trip had been such a success that a second delegation of men would go down in July. Six whole days they'd spend at the exhibition and visit the Houses of Parliament. Oh, it'd all be arranged. They'd be staying in the Shipwrecked Mariners' home. They'd be able to go to the Tabernacle on the Sunday. Oh, maybe your man will be chosen this time, Ina. Come on now, you need to keep knitting. Ina could go no further without more wool. She wondered whether she should unravel the whole Gansey and start again, knit a simple stocking stitch up to the yoke to save on yarn, but even then she'd still be short. Mm. Ina's fingers ached as she filled the willow skull with coil after coil after abated line. She separated each coil with a handful of grass so the line would pay out smoothly at sea. The bairn started crying and she was so tired she fell asleep feeding it. But when she awoke the next morning, she knew what to do. She wrapped the bairn in her shawl and placed her carefully in her willow creel and then put the pillowcase with the knitting in her pocket of her coat and gently swung the creel onto her back and walked to the station. She only had enough money for a third-class single ticket. She'd be a long walk home. The train guard watched the pale lassie get off the train at Lago Station. Something about the girl of the creel. Maybe it was the faraway look in her eye. It spooked him. He waved at her as the train pulled out of the station, but she was looking up at the hill behind the station, nervously wringing her fingers. And he was in Burnt Island before he realised what was different about the young woman. Well, there was nothing in her hands. She hadn't been knitting. Ina looked up at Lago Lore. The path was steep, but she smiled as she saw the hoof prints in the mud as she walked across the fields. An hour later, Halfway up the hill, her back was aching. It was taking longer than she thought to fill her creel with fleece. She'd pricked her fingers as she scoured the broom bushes to find the fistfuls of soft wool. The coats of the sheep were ready to be shorn. They were heavy. She could have pulled handfuls of fleece straight from their backs if they'd only stop and let her, but they ran quicker than she could. Higher and higher she climbed until she reached the seven stone step. And at the summit she sat down and peered into the creel. It was time to feed the bairn, but it was sleeping so soundly in its creamy cloud of wool that she had time to look up at the blood-red sky. Oh, the expanse of the Firth of Forth stretched before her like a shining finger from east to west. She'd been so intent on looking for the wool that she hadn't realised the time. The Isle of May was just a dark, thin blur now, and the bass rock glowed pink in the sunset. A cloud of black smoke hovered over the roofs of Edinburgh. Old was putting on a nightcap, that's what her father used to say. The baby's cry pierced the chill evening air, and Ina pulled her from a soft nest and held her close, feeling her warmth as she fed greedily. And she remembered a lullaby, her mother used to sing A song. How long she sat and sang, she didn't know. But then an owl screeched and, while well, her hair stood up on the back of her neck. And she, she looked around her. She realised the mist had come down. But she felt she was being watched. She couldn't see a soul. But then a wind blew, a hole in the mist, a portal, and there, there behind that portal was a dark shape, a tall man, his face dark with mud, a candle flickering on his hard moleskin hat, a miner, and she could hear chink, 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 chink 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 like a heavy metal pick tapping on the rock below her feet distinct but muffled coming from a an underground mine she crouched and felt the grass and sure enough it trembled at each blow of the phantom miner's pickaxe chink 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 oh, but then that miner stepped out of that portal and grew bigger and bigger, and she was frozen to the spot with fear. "'What is it, you see, classy?' a deep voice called. "'I, I, I was just gathering some wool for my a... you, you know, from, from a... from a man. We, we've no money, and... well, we've got a new bairn.' "'Wool? Fisherman's iron? "'What do you want with a wool when the fortune lies beneath your feet?' There's a gold man under your feet, lassie. And only I know the secret of the entrance to that mine. Well, Ina wanted to run, but the, the phantom miner started to dance around her, and the candle whirled faster and faster, and it started to speak again. If the cock doesn't and the cowherd's horn does blow. I'll tell you where the gold mine is in Largo lore. Well, mesmerised by that candle, Ina followed his devilish dance through the mist. And she was dizzy and stumbled to her knees. And the bairn woke up with a sharp wail that sounded for all the world. Like the sound of a cockerel crowing. <gasps> the phantom stopped dancing. And then it got sucked down into the hill. Now I must roam forevermore, it roared and disappeared into the hillside. Well, With the bairn still crying in the creel, Ina ran as fast as her legs could carry her. And she reached the station just as the train steamed in. The guard recognized that pale lassie with the creel. Come on, step up, he called. She shook her head. Oh, if you've not got a ticket, just come and get into the guards van. You can travel with me. And he held out a gloved hand. Ina stepped up into the cosy guards van, realised that there was a a stove, and on the stove there was a kettle bubbling away. You're trembling, lassie. You look like you've seen a ghost. Ina nodded poured some hot water into a mug and handed her a cup of tea. <laughs> you seen a ghost? Maybe it was the ghost of Lago Lore. <laughs> Did he offer to show you the entrance to the gold mine? His eyes twinkled. Well, suddenly there was a snuffling from the creel. The guard looked into the creel and saw all oh, that creamy wool. You have not, you have not stolen a lamb, Lassie. Nina smiled. She picked out her daughter and held her in her arms. Oh, Lassie, you must both be hungry. And the guard gave her a package from his, his coat pocket. And she unwrapped it. It was a, oh, two slabs of bread with a gold lump of cheese in the middle. Oh, it was delicious. The bairn slept on. By the time she got home she had, well, put the bairn in the cradle, she put the fire going, the porridge was bubbling. And she sat down, she rocked the cradle with her foot and she started to spin. Good evening, sight in front of her, him. The bairn sleeping, his wife knitting, fire roaring, a cat stretched out. Have you heard, he said. Ina opened her eyes. What? I've been chosen. Well, Ina couldn't believe it. She could get that gansy finished. You'll go to London and you'll wear this Gansey, she cried. She knitted like the devil the next few days. And then the day came. She's at the station to wave him off. He looks so handsome in his Gansey under his Sunday jacket. Oh, she's proud of him. She's proud of her new Gansey. There on his broad chest is the raised diamond with a heart in moss-titch in its centre, the heart in the home, just as Chatty had suggested. Hoofprints led down his shoulder straps to meet the marriage lines either side of the yoke. And the sun, well, it seemed to shimmer, his chest seemed to shimmer in the sunlight. Ina smiled. She knew the secret of this sweater. Chatty's there too. Chatty's man's been chosen. (laughs) And Chatty looks at Ina's gansey. Wow, what was her neighbour's secret? Ina had certainly finished that gansey fast. Ina stands on tiptoes and holds the bayern up for the last glimpse of its feather for the next six days. (laughs) The guards whistle blue and little black clouds of Smoke came from the funnel of the train as it steamed out of the station. Ina sighs with relief and tiredness. Yeah, the baron had slept through the night and she had knitted like the devil himself. On the way back from the station, Chatty offers to carry the baron. And Ina takes the knitting wires from her pocket and fixes them into her belt. The belt is buckled tighter now. The steel wires are shorter. A small cream ring is starting to form. A baby gansey. Chatty notices the new piece of knitting and reaches out to touch it. The yarn sparkling in the sunlight is glinting with flecks off gold. Where did you get this yarn? Chatty asks. From Largo, Hina replies. Oh, what's that in it then? Oh, that's just the gold from the mine. You know, the gold mine underneath Lago Lore. Ina smiles as Chatty's eyes widen. And she continues to knit. And Chatty, for the first time in her life, is lost for words.